Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. It says in verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit of the works? Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the heart? Ugh, excuse me, by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore, know that only those who are of faith are, such, uh, are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with believing Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So by way of reminder, Paul is having to correct error that's happening in the Galatian churches. The error was that these uh, churches who were made of Gentiles, and as I've mentioned to you guys, Gentiles are anybody who is not of a, a Jewish nationality. And, and so um, these Gentiles who weren't Jews, which means they didn't follow the law, they didn't practice Judaism, and because of that, Again, one of the signs or one of the seals, if you would, of the promises of God, one of the ways uh, that you knew that you were a follow, follower in Judaism was circumcision. And so these Gentiles, though, they didn't need to be circumcised because they believed that coming to a relationship with God was based off of faith as Paul taught them. And they believed that. But these Judaizers were coming in and saying, no, listen, you can't simply have a right relationship with God by faith. You also have to have works. And, and it has to say, listen, you have your faith, but truly to have a right relationship with the Lord is faith, but understanding the law, so faith and works together. And Paul said, no, that's not how it works, and you've already been taught that. And so... In chapter 2, we talked about how Paul had to even confront Peter because Peter was playing the hypocrite. And he said back in verse 14 of chapter 2, he says, When I saw that they were not being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. Remember, Paul's eating, uh, Peter's eating with the Gentiles, hanging out, it's all good. You know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And then all of a sudden, when the Judaizers had come, they, they backed up. They started acting like, oh, I'm, I'm not associating myself with them. And, and so Paul, in front of everybody, calls them out. Like, why is it that you were hanging out with them and had no problem with this, and then all of a sudden, you changed? What happened? Why are you being this hypocrite? Why are you 
acting, you know, saying one thing and then doing another. And so Paul went on to say that the life I live in my flesh is a life of faith, trusting God. When we think about faith, that's the whole point is trusting God. The law was always about doing. I need to do something to be right with God. I need to act on things to be right with God. And so he says, oh, foolish Galatians. And so when he says foolish, the word foolish actually means to, it's one who does not understand, but it literally means he's saying this, you're mentally being lazy or careless and it's on purpose. Like, I don't understand why you're not being thoughtful. Like, why you're not considering these things. Like, you're choosing to be ignorant, basically. But now the other thing, he uses this, he says, who has bewitched you? Now, for those of you who've ever seen like Aladdin or you've seen these other things, the word bewitched literally means like, who's put you under a spell? And what I mean by Aladdin and stuff, you know how the staff, the eyes light up and stuff are like um, in a jungle book where the serpent, you know, in his eyes and he kind of hypnotizes you. That's bewitching. That is when you're staring something directly in the eyes and it's like this hypnotic thing and puts you in this like trance, right? And, and oh, that's what be, be, bewitching is. And notice what he says about it. He says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus, listen, was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. So at one point you could see clearly, you, you, can, you understood this. It was very clear and exact and everything else. But all of a sudden now, you're responding as if you're bewitched or hypnotized or under a spell. Like, I'm basically, I'm tripping out on the way you're acting and the way you're responding. Why are you living like this when you were taught otherwise, you believed otherwise? And I know that you were taught otherwise because I taught you. That's what Paul is trying to get across. And so... Again, when he's calling them foolish, he wasn't simply saying uh, that they were uh, morally or mentally deficit, but he used that word and the idea to say, you're not perceiving the way you should perceive, and, and, and part of it is by choice. And one of the things, if you look at verse 1, what he's saying is this, Jesus Christ, who was clearly portrayed you, uh, among you, is crucified. What Paul's trying to get across is this, no ritualism, no legalism, no, no regulations can do anything um, to change and transform your life. It was Jesus on the cross. His death was a one-time event, but it has this continual effect in the future and so effect on us. See, they stopped believing and applying basic gospel truths, and by neglecting their foundation, they had compromised the gospel of grace. There's a reason for rules. For example, I mentioned before we started the study about the fireworks last night in, up in Rancho. Part of that reason of no fireworks is there's a lot of brush, <laughs> the foothills, there's a lot of things up there that can catch fire. I mean, here in Chino, things caught fire and, you know, palm trees and bushes and other things that, that you know, happen. And there's rules and, and, and regulations for a reason. There's certain fireworks that are called safe and sane and, and are still dangerous, but they're, you know, if not tampered with, they're fountains and they're piccolo peats and they're ground bloom flowers and things like that. And there's, 
They're regulated, right? And they tell you to do them like this. But then there's the fun ones. <laughs> All the fun ones are illegal. The ones that shoot up in the air, the ones that, you know, do Roman candles and this thing and that thing, and, you know, all the ones that make life just grand. But they're illegal, and they're illegal for a reason. But this whole idea is saying, you know that, and you know they're illegal, and you know they're dangerous, you know that you can get hurt, you know that uh, these things that shoot up can land anywhere. Um, it's really damaging. I mean, for those of you, I mean, here in Chino, I know kind of most cities, like our neighbors, and I live only a block from the police station, our neighbors have been shooting off illegal fireworks for weeks now. And, you know, it's, 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 interest, it's interesting because our city says there's a $1,000 fine for illegal fireworks, and I'm like, most people must not be getting fined because they don't stop. And it's like, I don't know how the police either don't know, like just walk outside of the police department. Maybe they're shorthanded. I don't know. But for me, it's like, I don't mind them except for I have dogs. <laughs> and with dogs, it's not fun, right? Even last night when we left, you know, we lock up the house, but I turned the radios up really loud and stuff, trying to do my best to block the sound of the fireworks for them and, and all, and it kind of helps, but still just makes them super anxious. Again, I mentioned looking, when I was driving down the 15 last night and looking toward Fontana, Rialto, out that way, it seemed like every street, at least through the freeway and looking down, that every street had illegal fireworks. It was beautiful from the sky and from the freeway, which is raised a little bit, but the idea is, or the understanding is, they're illegal. And everybody is basically saying, we know that and we don't care. And this is, but so what I'm trying to get across is rules, regulations, standards, things that are put in place as laws, so what? And when I say so what, it doesn't matter to people who are just going to do their thing. That's why the Bible says man's heart is desperately wicked who can know it. We can do things outwardly sometimes that are right and think wrong, or we can have these rules and people can say, well, I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever I think makes me happy or fun or whatever else. Like, you know, and, and so, but when it comes to like passages like we're looking at here in Galatians, he says, you've been taught the truth. You know the truth. And now you're acting as if you never heard it. And you're acting as if what these guys are saying is more powerful and is, is, is come and it's like you're just mesmerized by it. So he says, not only, were you, not only are you acting as if you're hypnotized or under a spell, but like you once saw and heard very clearly and, and, and perceived this. So he gets into verse 2. He says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And so what he's saying is this. When you came to Christ, again, remember, he's talking to a Galatian ch uh, church. He's talking to a Gentile church. They weren't uh, Jews who had followed the, the, the 
rituals and customs of Judaism. And he's saying, you didn't come to Christ by you did all these works. You didn't come to Christ because look at all the things I've done. And so I, I checked all these things off my list, and so God's happy with me now. And, and so I can become a Christian, or I can do these things, because I've checked everything off my list. No, what he's saying is, you didn't have to do that. Why? Because scriptures, like I share with you often, uh, well, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believes. See, Jesus died on the cross. He gave Himself for us. We believe. We trust. We live a life of faith. We look at God demonstrated His love, Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated His love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died. Right? So we have scriptures like that. Um, we read the other day on Wednesday night about in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul says this is the gospel message. That Christ came, that He died, that He rose again, that He conquered death in the grave and so on. And he says that's what we put our hope in. That's what we put our trust in. And he says you guys know that. So if you know that why is it that you've changed and now you're believing these other people and you're saying, look at me and look at what I've done? Why is this so important? I was sharing last service, one of my things as being a youth pastor now for many years, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, you guys need to hear me, please. In my experience as a youth pastor, all of you who become between the age of 16 and junior and senior year is when I see the most people falling away from the Lord. All these years, I've been a youth minister, longer than all of you guys have been alive. Between 16 and up and junior year and up, I see most people walk away from the Lord. I don't know, I would equate some of it to working, jobs, um, cars, um, friendship changes, just life changing, you know, starting to, you know, junior year is supposed to be more buckled down and start thinking about college and things like that. But it's also where you get a little more freedom usually at 16. And so with that freedom and going out and going to football games, I don't even know if we can do that anymore. But, uh, you know, at the time going to games, going socializing, all that stuff becomes a bigger deal, right? And, and so in my experience, it's that. And, and one of the things is, again, freedoms. I was sharing last service. I went to a Bible college that was, un, it's called Life Pacific University now in San Dimas, but it was an unaccredited Bible college. It was literally meant, if you want to be in ministry, you go here. If you don't, don't come here because it's really not for you. We didn't have English classes and math classes and all the science classes, anything like that. We had ministry classes. And so... Um, but while I was there, there was people that had come from what's known as the Bible Belt Midwest and people that had come from out of state. And a lot of those people had never been to Southern California. I mean, when I say Southern California, I'm talking like L.A., Hollywood, beaches, all that kind of stuff, right? And these guys are like 18, 19, 20 now. And parents aren't around. They have their own car, freedom. All this stuff came from strict Christian homes. They're there for ministry. I saw so many people in Bible college walk away from the Lord. Why? Freedom. 
their freedom, even the Bible talks about, don't let your freedom, your liberty, put you in bondage. But what happened was, I had friends that came to Bible college and started drinking. They never drank before because they were free. Like, their parents aren't around. And, you know, so they felt like, okay. Friends that started, I mean, we used to go to a lot of concerts, even Christian concerts and clubs and stuff in, in Hollywood. And uh, when I say clubs, they were concert venues, if you would. And, and so um, we would be there a lot, and then we'd go down to, um, if you guys know, uh, down in, like Echo Park and stuff, and there's original Tommy's Burger and stuff. And other, you know, so we just go to like these uh, places that are well-known in L.A. and Hollywood and stuff to, to eat at or socialize and stuff. But people started kind of, I say tripping out, but they just started like their freedoms and liberties took their eyes off of the Lord, and it was all of a sudden like, oh, I don't realize I could have these things. But I've shared with you stories like my cousin's wedding. It was an open bar, and I go to the, this, this cart that has uh, an open bar, and I ask for a soda, I get a soda, and everybody else that's drinking alcohol are getting these drinks that are like, this really cool blue-looking drink and this really cool green-looking drink and this thing and that thing. And they're telling me some of the names, and I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I'm like, I, I don't know anything, honestly, about alcohol. So I'm like, I, I know names like vodka and this thing and that thing, but I don't know. I couldn't tell you what it was if I saw it. Uh, praise God, whatever. I don't know. So, but here's here's the thing is like, this is what I was sharing last service. I felt at times like I'm going, I have a soda. <laughs> I have a Coke. Now, some of you maybe were like me when I was a kid. When you go to a restaurant, one of the coolest things to order for us was like a Roy Rogers or a Shirley Temple. Because those were fancy kid drinks. Those are kid drinks that were made at the bar. Right? And like a Roy Rogers or like at restaurants and you get a cherry Coke, like they make the cherry Coke. Like it's not the fountain cherry Coke. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like the syrup in the Coke and then they put like actually cherries in it. And you feel kind of like fancy, right? You feel like, aha. Like I was telling last service, like I would go to like BJ's Pizza and I ordered um, a virgin strawberry daiquiri. For those who don't know what that is, it's juice it up. It's a strawberry smoothie with no alcohol. By the way, I don't know what alcohol would have been in it. I don't, but like, I just thought, oh, strawberry daiquiri. Oh, look at that. That looks good. Like, I love strawberry. It was a strawberry smoothie. I don't know if they charged me the same amount with alcohol or not, but it's like, I got, what am I saying? What I'm saying is, as a Christian, when we come to faith in the Lord, we have this relationship that has given us freedom from sin, but it also gives us freedom in many other areas. And what happens is we change that freedom and we actually give it up for um, our works. We give it up for things that we think we're missing out on. But like last service, I was saying, go to Stater Brothers. Or I just started going to Stater Brothers for some reason. I've never gone to Stater Brothers before in years. And I've been going to the one off Euclid and Schaefer just because 
their, their meat market is pretty nice. And so, but here's the thing. If you go to a grocery store, one aisle is like all soda, yeah? Like another aisle, maybe, you know, the same aisle but the other side, all the way down is like other drinks, LaCroix and, you know, different drinks like that that aren't necessarily soda or, you know, you know, you know, seltzer water. Maybe it's like the, the power drinks, they call them, whatever, you know, Munsters, Red Bull, this, that, Starbucks in the can, what, whatever. Um, then you have another aisle that's like juices, right? Apple juice, cranberry juice, all that stuff. Then you have another aisle that's like waters and all the different kinds of waters, right? Then you go to like the refrigerated section, you got orange juice and apple juice and um, you have the, the different fruit juices and all that other stuff. So what I'm saying is we have a big variety to choose from, but there's some reason why the world likes to draw us into alcoholic drinks, while the world likes to say, hey, you're missing out on something. And so what do we do? We change. And then what we do is sometimes the church will say, but yeah, well, that person is now drinking or that person is now living like this and they're not a Christian because look at what they're doing. And then on the flip side in the church, like again, uh, unfortunately, if you haven't heard, like we're canceling VBS or it's been canceled this year and uh, kind of sad and, and all, but... Uh, I know those that serve in VBS have been sad as the ones I've talked to. But here's what I'm saying. What I say is, you and I have been taught, most of you grown up in church, we're saved by faith through grace and, and not of our works, right? Galatians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. But then we'll equate our relationship with God on things like, well, I serve in VBS. Well, I, I serve in the cafe. Well, I serve in children's ministry. I've done worship or I've you know, whatever. And, and it's not saying I love God and thus out of my love for God, I'm now responding by serving, which again, hear me, I, I think serving is important. I think it's valuable. But don't misunderstand serving and, and equate that as this is my relationship with God. When you do that, you've changed from faith to works. You've changed from trusting God to saying, look at me. Now, I don't know how many of you come from, I mean, all of us respond differently to love and affection and things like that. I'm the type of person, maybe some of you are like me, that I show my love and affection through doing things. So what I mean by that is, I'll be like, Brandy's car is dirty, and I'm going to go wash it. So my day off, and it's hot outside, and I'll go wash your car. And I'm like, Brandy, like I washed your car. Ah, thanks. No, you don't understand. Like your car is dirty, and I noticed, and I love you, so I washed it. Yeah, thanks. Time out. You're supposed to say I love you too. Like I... But what it translates sometimes, you just want to be away from us. Like you'll do anything just to not be inside the house. You'll do... Uh, what? I did that for you! 
and it's like because for her she doesn't look at love and affection always in the same way I do I'm seeing a need and going oh, I'm gonna be nice and wash and vacuum out the car and all that stuff and going I'm, I'm doing that so she doesn't have to worry about it. I'm doing that because I love her and all that stuff. And for her, she's like, I don't care about the car. I mean, I do and I don't. And, but she, she would, she's the kind of, like, I'd rather you just be in the house with us, hanging out, talking, whatever, you know? And I'm like, it's not that I don't want to do that, but then I see the needs, and I'm like, I love you guys, so I'm going to go do the needs. I'm a doer. I'm a task. Like, I did these things, so, like, to, you know, you guys know, right? If your house is dirty, it adds tension, right? So I'm like, I'm going to clean. I'm going to, you know, even yesterday, I'm like, oh, there's some dishes. I'm going to wash the dishes. And before we left and did these things, and I'm like, hey, I washed the dishes. Oh, good. Because her mindset is like, I normally wash the dishes. Like, thanks for finally washing the dishes, right? Like, or whatever. And, and, but I was trying to think, I'm thinking of you. That's why I'm doing it. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we can translate that into our relationship with God, and I believe that's dangerous. And what I mean by that is, God, I did this, now like me. God, I went to church, now like me. God, I served, now like me. Like, be happy with me. And because, I don't know about you, but sometimes with your parents and stuff, you can, like, clean your room, and your parents are like, yeah, but I asked you to take out the trash, and I asked you to do the pick up, you know, clean the backyard or something, and you're like, and your focus is like, I just cleaned my room, and you're mad at me at all this other stuff. Why can't you ever be satisfied? Why can't you ever, and this is what happens, because then we translate that into our relationship with God. And we translate that into, like, what God's expecting of us. I need to do all these things. But see, that's why he says, in verse uh, 9 and 10, for as, in verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, curses everyone who does not continue in all things. So he's saying, listen, if you're a perfect person and you don't break any law, you don't do anything wrong, you're not cursed. You didn't do anything wrong. But if you haven't kept all things and you don't do all things, then you're like, again, you can do a hundred great things. You do one thing wrong, you, you missed it. You're, you're not, your tasks aren't complete and they're not perfect. And this is what Paul's trying to get across to the church. And he goes, why are you allowing these Judaizers, these people to come in? You once saw clearly and believed you're saved by faith. God loves you because you put your trust and your hope in Him. And now you're going, but I have to do these things for Him. I have to do these things. And so he says, but what did you do for Him in order to have this relationship? And, he, and Paul's trying to get across. The answer is nothing. That's the point. You put your trust in Him and you put your faith in Him. Then we respond. Now we serve. Now we, we're, we act and now we go out by faith and say, I want you to hear and see this relationship that I have that you can have based off of my faith, my trust in God. Not like, hey, I'm 
earning my relationship with God by going and doing these things, but because I have this relationship. Why is this so important? Because you guys are at that age where, again, as I mentioned a minute ago, you scare me. Why? Because the Bible talks about don't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every teaching. You have to know your purpose. You have to know what you believe and why. And if anything, I could say this is keep it simple. But keep your foundation solidified. But keep it simple. What do I mean? Well, Jesus loves me. How do I know? He gave his life for me. Yeah, but this and that and people and, and, and the church's expectation and the world's expectation and I can't live up to everybody and everything. And here's the thing. If you have that mindset, let me give you the answer to, for that right now. You're not supposed to live up to everybody or standards and expectations. What is the Lord's standards and expectations? If you were here last week, I mentioned, listen, I've been to churches where you, if you dressed a certain way, you, you weren't welcome in the church because you weren't dressed up enough. And other churches where it's like, if you were dressed up like that, they'd look at you like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you dressed like that? You know? And, and, and because, again, we talked about Sunday's best, right? God, give God your best. But see, this is exactly why Paul says to them, like, you were hypocrites. Why? Because you're phonies. You act a certain way at church and around certain people, but when you're not with those people, you are not like that. You say you believe in God, oh, praise God, and oh, you know, and it's like, wait, wait a minute. How come you're talking like that, like what we call Christianese and stuff? But right now, you're, you were talking like a sailor. <laughs> You were, your mouth and everything else, and yet, you know. But see, here's the thing. If somebody says a bad word, we could say you were a Christian. Well, I thought you were a Christian. But you said. So did they lose their salvation because they said a bad word? By the way, I'm not saying, I'm not oh, saying it's okay to say bad words. What? But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What I've discovered, the closer you are to the Lord, the more you're going to, you're not going to have a bunch of junk in your heart. And so if you don't have a bunch of junk in your heart, a bunch of junk isn't coming out of your mouth. But when it comes to this perspective, this story here, he says, Abraham believed God. Abraham wasn't following a law. He was following the commandments and the direction given to him by the Lord. And he trusted. See the difference. Faith equals trusting. Law equals doing. Abraham trusted God. And it was accounting him for righteousness. So he says anybody who lives like that, this is why I'm saying keep it simple. What do I mean? Because listen, between now, those of you getting that are that are, are are getting close to 16 and those of you who are older than that hear me I fear for you when you start college you have freedoms you have liberties you have professors and teachers and others who will pour into your life that do not agree with the Bible and do not consider it to be 
And if you don't understand what you believe and why, and here's the thing, the basics is this. Jesus loves me and he gave his life for me. Ephesians 1 as a ransom. He paid the price. Romans tells me and you that our sin separates us from God. That all is sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not one. And Romans also tells us the gift of God is eternal life. He offers us hope. He says that Jesus is our propitiation. Jesus is the one who stood in the gap for us. He's the one who paid the penalty for our sin. And when you know and understand that, that means you've been set free to live for Him and set free to live in freedom from your sin. And you can commit your life to the Lord. And so as we look at all these things, what he's trying to get across is, do not let people take you from faith to works, but stay trusting the Lord by faith. And the thing that I want to tell you is this. It's so easy to get our eyes fixed on the wrong things. And the Lord says, you saw clearly, keep your eyes clear. Keep your, keep your eyes fixed. Listen, have you ever been in the ocean and been hit by a wave and you're tossed? You ever, you ever open your eyes underwater <laughs> and all you can see is either black or brown, <laughs> nasty, and you're like, you can't even see anything in front of you because the water's so filthy, right? I have to tell you, if anybody's been to Hawaii, sometimes it's, it's less scary here. It's one of those things like what you don't see can't hurt you. <laughs> but in Hawaii, when you can see really far, it's kind of scary because you're like, a shark can come out at any minute. And anyway. Uh, <laughs> we got to see clearly. Have you been taught? Have you opened your eyes underwater in the pool? Has it been on a day where they just put fresh chlorine? <laughs> your eyes burn for days. <laughs> You're taught not to open your eyes underwater in a pool with a bunch of chlorine. But we do it anyway. Because we're cheating at Marco Polo or whatever the reason is. <laughs> <laughs> we take our eyes off of the Lord and we don't see clearly anymore and we've been distracted and we allow other people to tell us your relationship with God isn't what it's supposed to be it needs to be like this but what we understand back in chapter 1 chapter 2 is Paul said the relationship I have with God is because I built a relationship with God. Not on my task and everything else, not on because I was taught by somebody, but because I spent time learning about who God is. And when I understand that, when, when people come in and try to tell me otherwise, this is where Paul is confronting the church in Galatia, and he says, you guys... And I'm going to 
not confront you guys, but I'm going to share this as I close with you. Looking around, most of you aren't new. Some of you are newer. Most of you who've grown up in the church, you've had Josh. Maybe some of you older had Joe. You've had good children's ministry, kids ministry now it's called, teachers. Many of you have served in VBS as guides and things like that. You've heard the Bible taught more times than you can count. Good, and yet so what? Because we come, and some of you are forced, some of you aren't. Some of you are here because you want to be, some aren't. But Paul says to the church in Galatia, you heard and you believed and you put your trust in God. Nobody forced you to. And God transformed your life and yet you're allowing people to change that into something that was never supposed to be. Why are you doing that? Who's bewitched you? Who? Why, when you receive the, the Spirit of the Lord, by faith, why are you making it by works? Why are you now saying, if only I can serve in VBS? If only I did this and only did that, then God would be happy with me. You know where God's happy with you? When you're trusting Him with your life in all things. I mentioned last Sunday that this past Wednesday was Gabby's last day serving with us. Um, Gabby's been serving with me or been with me in the high school ministry as a student and stuff for many years now. And we've been talking about some transition and everything else and where she feels God's calling her. She's like, I just don't know when I'm going to step down from high school ministry. And I told her, this is last week or whatever. And I go, you're going to step down now. <laughs> and she's like, oh. <laughs> and if you were here, I, I said this Wednesday night, I said, you need to be where God's calling you. You need to do what God's calling you to do, and you need to not delay because you're afraid to, to leave this to move to that, whatever that is. And I said, so it's time to go. Is, you feel God's calling you out? Yes, then go. Go now. I love you. You're welcome to come over, hang out. We can talk. We can. I mean, she texted me yesterday. We're talking, and it's all good. Like, we're friends. I love you. But you need not stay where you're not supposed to be. If God wants you somewhere else, go to that somewhere else. Because you're missing out on what God wants to do in your life because you're having a hard time transitioning out. So let me make it easier for you. And I said, listen, I'll be with you on this journey of transition. But if, if you're telling me that the Lord's telling you it's time to go, then let's not wait another month. Let's, let's get you to where you're supposed to be now. Well, I'm just not sure where that's supposed to be. Well, okay, then let's pray. Let's seek the Lord where that's supposed to be and what that looks like. I'm not going to just kick you out and push you out the door. I don't plan that. I don't want her to ever feel like that. Because Jesus isn't like that. 
So here's the thing. Why I say keep your faith simple, but the roots go deep. Simple because the Bible's simple. Oh, it's very profound, and we can break it apart. And I mean, the, the scholar, the most scholarliest, I don't know, I'm not one of them because I can't even say it. The smartest people in the world <laughs> have a hard time b believing and trusting and, and, and figuring out what certain passages mean and don't mean. But when the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't think it's so profound that we can't truly understand that, I, but I do think it's really deep. But it's simple. If you put your trust in your Savior, He's with you. But life's going to be hard, yeah. And I'll end with this. And she allowed me last service, but I'll, well, I'll just, I won't name her. Some of you know who this is, but one of the girls in our youth group, her grandpa just died. And she's having a hard time. Her six-week-old niece had to have brain surgery. It's pretty heavy, right? Here's somebody grown up in church. Here's somebody who I believe loves God. Um, she's an amazing young lady. Great family. They're hurting. And I asked her, I said, can I ask you, have you said why? Yeah. Why God? What did we do to deserve this? I mean, you took Grandpa, but why at the same time this thing with, with my niece? It's overwhelming, right? So much to handle. We already have all these emotions going and running wild because Grandpa passed, but now will the baby pass? What's surgery going to be like? Six week old having surgery? It's overwhelming, right? God, where are you? Are you in control? Like, like we, we're, our family's involved in church. Our family is, is in, this is happening. Not that I, I'm making this up, this part. But I can tell you from somebody who works at a church going, I've thought like this. I do all these things, God. I'm trying my best to serve you. And how come my world is being so rocked? And I believe with all my heart that sometimes we get it wrong in that answer. I believe sometimes we talk to somebody and they'll say, well, God's testing you. I believe that's a lie from, from the enemy. I don't think God's like, I'm going to take all your, I mean, we're not all Job. I don't think, I think we learn from everything. The Bible's clear on that. I think we learn from everything. But I don't think just, I mean, I don't know how grandpa passed, but, you know, I mean, I have grandparents who passed from congestive heart failure and diabetes and stuff. Like, they passed because their body broke down and, and failed. So it wasn't because God was mad at us, <laughs> I don't believe. I think this, the, the diabetes and the, the congestive heart failure just got the best of them, and it was time finally. Again, there's no good time for a loved one to pass, right? So we can always say, God, why now? Why this? Why our family? 
again, I'm a firm believer that even if we had the answer to that, I don't know if that answer would be suitable in our emotional state. But I do know that God is a God all, all comfort. I do believe that God teaches us through all things. I don't believe that everything we go through that's hard is God saying, I'm testing you right now. But I do think is evident of our true faith, our trust in God. Because if we have this mindset that says, but God, I did these things. Why are you doing this to me? Then we have a misunderstanding of who God is. That's what I want you guys to understand. If we sit here and say, but God, I have read my Bible, I prayed, I served, I, we go to church, we're trying, then we don't understand who God is. We don't understand. We haven't been read the Bible in a clear enough way to see that's not how God works. He loves us. He's in control. When we don't understand, He says, put your faith, your trust in me, lean on me, and I'll direct your path. And so my encouragement to you is this. As your life changes, as you get older, sometimes you're going to have incredible blessed days, weeks, years, and then sometimes you're going to have incredibly hard, emotional, draining, stressful, overwhelming days, weeks, years. But remember what the Bible says. In John 14, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. This, in Corinthians, we're reminded that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building uh, from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, right? He likens our bodies to a tent. So, this earth is temporary. These bodies are temporary. Remember that. What we're doing now, what God has for us is temporary. Heaven is eternal. Keep our eyes fixed on Him so we could see clearly. And one day we'll see it all pictured clearly. That's, that's what Paul's trying to get across. Stay focused. Stay on faith. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Don't let circumstances and or people distract from that.